What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 120 of the Potscast. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined, as always, by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello. Good morning, Steve. We've got a hell of a show this week. There is some news that is, I mean, frankly, every piece of news pretty damn juicy not gonna lie not gonna bury the lead on this one we're talking about the animal crossing build-a-bear fiasco we're talking about abandoned potentially being kojima's next big game on xbox and we're talking about jason schreier's report from bloomberg about sony's blockbuster you know i don't know (laughs) release schedule and and how that's affecting all their studios and and somehow an even bigger story on top of all those things, which is that E3 is back, baby. The ESA has confirmed that E3 is surviving for at least one more year, and a lot of the major players are showing up to play. So that's if that wasn't enough, Pac-Man 9-9 came out this week. So we've, oh, got, yes. we've got a lot to chew on. But before we get into that, let me just tell you real quick where you can find us all across the web. Of course, we are the Potscast, Loot Pots Weekly Nintendo and Gaming Podcast, where every week Steve and I get together to talk about what is going on in the world of video games, what we're playing, answering questions from you fine folks uh, in our Mail Pot segment. It's a great time. We have a good time. You guys have a good time listening, or apparently you do because you've been showing up for 120 episodes. So it seems to be going pretty well. Uh, if you want to be a part of that show, remember, you can write in to the podcast at Pete at Lupots.com. Come join our Discord and our podcast channel for our weekly uh, question submission and uh, come become a part of the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. I sent out the challenge uh, last week and I'm going to extend it again at the beginning of the show this week that if you are a longtime listener who has never written into the show, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so for the next episode, why don't you give me a question because I can't imagine there's going to be this much news again next week. You know what I mean? Ebbs and flows. So, uh, of course, if you want to get some more content from us, you can head over to twitch.tv slash Pots, where every week Steve and I are streaming some video games on Thursday nights. And this week we streamed. It was an interesting double shot. You know, we started with like lo-fi streams to study slash relax to we're playing Littlewood just vibing, and then we switched over to just probably its antithesis, which is Pac-Man 99, which is just high-octane nonsense. So Yeah. Who, who was it in the chat? It was like, oh, there's a new Pac-Man game. I'm really excited to see it. And then it was like, uh, that's way too much. <laughs> like, oh, no, I don't know about this. It's <laughs> a little overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, if you want to come be a part of that, uh, definitely come over to the Twitch channel Thursday nights. Come hang out with us. Um, And then, you know, of course, you can get the podcast over on YouTube. Go subscribe to the new channel. Um, And last but not least, if you want to get a little bit more of the show in your feed every week, you can head over to patreon.com slash loopots, where for just a buck, you can get access to our Patreon-exclusive show, After Dark, where this week Steve and I talked about, uh, you know, eight days of national mourning. So uh, if you want to... If you want to, if you want to hear us talk about this very, very serious topic that we did not make light of at all, uh, you can go check that out for just a buck, as well as uh, eighty plus other episodes. Um, so you, hours and hours of content of us talking about things that aren't video games. So if that seems like your bag, uh, go check it out for a buck. Best way to show your support for the show. All right, so that's enough shilling for right now. Let's talk about what we're playing this week. Of course, we both played other games this week, uh, Mm -hmm. but they were all games that we've talked about on the show at length for the last couple weeks. So in the interest of keeping it fresh, 
let's just let's let's start with the main event. I know you've got another game. We'll end on that one. Pac-Man 99. Pac-Man 99 drops this this past week. Uh no warning, right? Like a day. They're like, "Hey, it comes out tomorrow. Get ready everybody." Get well, no, for you guys it was it was literally you got it in the morning and I think it was it's coming oh, yeah. out at like 6 p.m. But for everyone else in the sure? world it was like it's coming out tomorrow. And which is wild. I mean, love it right love love the shadow drops especially if it's a game that you actually want to play uh and i mean i've been loving it you've been playing a lot more than i have seemingly because you know i found out thanks to this game you are apparently a pack master uh, <laughs> not quite i still have a one around i got f- i got still five not one no 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 i've got five twos in a row yesterday i was so fucking annoyed it's just funny because you know, when we were streaming it the other night, like, I I was playing on my end. You We were watching your screen, which makes sense because you're better. Um, But I'm, I'm just holding my Switch, and we're kind of shooting the shit. So I was kind of glancing up at the screen to see you playing, and it felt like every time I looked at the screen, you were in the top ten. <laughs> or, like, the round was ending and you had been in the top ten. Um, So I have gotten to the top ten, I think, three times now. Okay. Um, and it, I'm usually, I'm topping out at like nine or seven. Um, but I had one game where, uh, I, I was four and I took a screenshot of it. Cause I was like, all right, like pack. Yeah. Like, That's like, when you're in like the colored sections at the top. That's yeah. Purple. It was like, shit. Yeah. Like, okay. Like I, I tasted it. I tasted, you know, greatness. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a real pack contender, but I feel like um I feel like I'm at least showing up. You know? Like I'm I'm putting it all on the line and I'm I'm getting I'm getting some points on the board. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. So there's it. There's, a, there's a few things I think you're probably not doing in order to get to the higher ranks. Okay. Are you clearing the board naturally by eating all the pack dots? Or are you just going to the fruit and it refreshes? I'm Oh, you so can... you need to clear the board because when you clear the board, your speed goes up a le- up a level. You have to play it like it's Pac Man. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, see that's yeah. that's a pro strat that I wasn't taking advantage of. Because so, so the best way is early on when the the ghosts are like all over the board and they're slow and they're not coming anywhere near you. Eat everything you can, and queue up all of the the ghosts just cue them and then when you're ready switch to knockout and they're gone like there's no way they can come back from it it's fucking savage and it's so satisfying every single time (laughs) that's been my strategy like i i remember you were saying like you want to kind of oscillate between knockout and counter so what i've been doing is when i start the match i i go for counter and i just build up you know the the pack the ghost chains um so that when when it's finally at the point where you can't make it any longer, I flip to knock out and just whoop, take out the whole line, knock them all out, reset the board. But I have been doing the fruit thing and like not usually naturally clearing the board. I didn't realize that that was impacting it. Um, and I've been playing on speed mode mostly um, because it's a so little speed bone only only works when you eat one of the bonus dots, yes. and that will make give you like a, a short boost to the speed. But if you get your speed level up enough, you could switch to stay the stronger one and it only drops you down one speed level when That's you good. eat the, the dot. And so like I'm getting up to like speed level four, speed level five. 
you eat the stronger dot, you're only going down to speed level four. And when the ghosts are coming at you like ridiculously fast in those end levels, getting your speed up so you can kind of just run away from them is vital. And what I found is I'll try and clear the board as much as I can. But if it gets to the point where a ghost is closing in on me too much and, and like one of the bonus dots is too far away, I'll just go and wipe the board with the fruit. And I'll leave that fruit sat there until I need to eat it rather than I see the fruit and I go get it straight away, which is what my strategy in the beginning was. Um, and it's interesting that I've even developed a strategy at this point, but I must have put like 10 hours into this game by now over the course of this week. Uh, yes, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, this is this wasn't intended. Um, I, I think we've mentioned this on After Dark. Like I have a, lo I have a little like desk tchotchkes because like I've, I've kind of got a little bit of a, of the attention deficit, uh, I believe. And uh, so I like to have things to fiddle with. And one of the things that I have, I got this in a loot crate probably like like fucking nine years ago or whatever. And it's a Pac-Man stress ball. And I, I'm usually sitting around squeezing it, fucking around with it. And I, and I, I just went to grab it and I was like, oh, wow, look, it's Pac-Man. Yeah, Pac-Man. Oh, that's so cool. Love Pac-Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I'm with you in terms of like the like really starting to get the game a little bit more and being able to develop the strategy um, because that – that's something that like I started probably with a similar trajectory with Tetris nine, nine where it was like, at first you're just playing Tetris and it's like, I love Tetris. So I'm going to just play Tetris. And if I win, I win. Um, before I really realized like the meta game of it all and how you really do kind of need to, um, understand some of the, like the systems that are a little bit more, you know, under the surface, to really, like, make sure that you're getting to the top every time. Otherwise, like, it can kind of be random, you know? Um, so, yeah, the fruit thing was something that, like, I definitely have been doing wrong because I've just been going for the fruit whenever I see it because my thought was, like, well, if I go and get the fruit as soon as possible, like, it resets and I can stack more ghosts. So, like... Sometimes that's a good strategy. Like, if someone's hitting you really hard and you want to counter them back, get the fruit, refresh the board chain up as many of those ghosts as you can and then just chomp them all and you'll send them over to the person that's attacking you but if you're just like chilling out and you're just there's no one really attacking you at this point then i would say try and clear the board early on in the game i'll always try and clear the board um like just or organically without going yeah. to the fruit uh, but another thing that's worth doing is switching over to hunter mode later in the game so hunter targets the person who has the most knockouts in the game so you can get rid of the strongest player before you reach the higher ranks. And a lot of people will target the hunter because they, they want to get the strongest player out before they, they reach the top. Um, but yeah, getting down to number two, I was like, just me and the top player, or me and one other player, was we were just playing for like a good three minutes before anything happened, before I ended up accidentally going into a ghost. It was one of those ones where the... The like blue just ran out as I ran into the ghost, and I was so fucking annoyed with myself. It's so infuriating yeah. when that happens. <clears throat> it is. It is funny, like how many little kind of like nuances there are to it that like I've only discovered like after I've been like playing for a while. Like with the ghosts, where like the more of them you eat, like it puts the blue timer back up. Like, I didn't realize that at first, so it would be like I would be going for them, and if they started flashing white, I'd be like, ah, oh, I gotta bail. This thing's too long. If I make it, you know, like. I'm gonna be going through yeah, the chain. But you can look at the you can look at the timer, and then yeah, every single one you eat, it, it bumps it back up a little bit. And the thing it's is, also I worth. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
I was saying it's also worth noting that all of the ghosts have different personalities, and that's the case since the original Pac-Man. Yeah. Like the red one will fucking hunt you. Like, like that's his goal. Is he's just kind of come and eat you, and so I'll always take him out first. Like if I know where the red one is on the board, he's gone. He's back in the middle because I don't want him hunting me. All the other ones sort of just like fuck off around the board, all over the place. You can fake that. I out. think it's the pink yeah. one. Yeah, and I think it's the pink one that always moves away from you. And so if you like look up the personalities and figure out what ghost does what you can really like strategize where you're going to go on the board and who you want to leave yeah on the board uh because before i get the fruit i'll also always try and clear out all of the ghosts so that i've got a fresh start and i can chain up the ghosts before any's even on the board and i can try and clear up as much as i can because the more dots you eat the quicker you'll get the fruit as well mm. i did notice that <clears throat> something that i do really like about um the nine nine treatment is like taking a game that like I like maybe I've played a lot, right? Like like Tetris uh, specifically is a game like I've played a lot, but like I've never been great at. You know, it was just like I was good enough and I would just play. You know, but like I never got super into the strategy. When I was playing nine nine, I was like, I really want to learn about T spins. You know, like I really gotta like figure out like the yeah, pro strat. It makes you feel like an absolute hero when you when you get one of those. Yeah. Like a double T spin. You're like, oh yes. Yeah, you're like I'm a G. Like I'm great at this. And like uh. That's kind of where I'm at with Pac-Man now because, like, I, I knew the thing about the Red Ghost that, like, I feel like that's obvious, right? Like, even if you've kind of only, like, if you play Pac-Man for, like, over an hour, you'll be like, oh, yeah, the red one, he's always he's always behind me. Like, you'll recognize that. The other patterns are, like, a little bit more subtle. Um, and the pink one going away from you, I knew. But, like, the other two, I don't really know their their patterns yet. So, like, I'm, like, starting to, like, pay attention a little bit more. And I was like, I think I want to, like, read about like how to be good at pac-man you know like i want to like learn some of the like kind of i want to learn the language a little bit more um which is i think really fun about about these because like obviously you know tetris and pac-man are fun and like you don't really need to do anything like you know we didn't really need nine nine to make them fun again but it is like it's fresh and it makes it feel new again it breathes new life into it and yeah. it, it kind of gets you back to that old classic just with like you know just a slightly different flavor it feels way more fun to me than like pac-man i can play and i can play maybe for like i don't know half an hour at most and it's just like yeah i've got my feel of pac-man this because you're competing against other people is like i want to i want to get further up the ranks yes that does help like, i really really want to get number one and and i'm determined to get number one and once i get number one i have a feeling i might be like yeah i'm kind of done with this no but then you gotta keep going. I, that's I, when the game begins yeah, steve i know that's not what i'm also thinking it's like oh then i'm gonna get a taste for how good that feels and i can just see the 98 other players i've just beaten to the top spot yeah man because i love that as well and then it shows you like the red x for every single one you've taken out yeah like seeing the number of knockouts you get is so satisfying I feel like um, <clears throat> I've never been into, like, leaderboards or, like, score chasing, but, like, the very binary, like, you came in fourth place. It's like, oh, that sucks. Like, I, I was so close, you know? Like, it, it does really give you that, like, one more, like, one more game. Like, this is the one where I'm going to get it, you know? Um, yeah. It, it, it's got that. I don't know. It, I it, I think the the nine nine treatment like really does tap into 
what is so satisfying about arcade games like that, you know, mm-hmm. where you're just like, one more run, one more run. This is the one. I'm loose now, you know? <laughs> yeah, I do really like that. I mean, I will say the worst score I've got is like 90. I got a 90 earlier because my Joy-Con crapped out and I was so fucking annoyed Dude, with it. I saw I saw your tweet thread about it where you're just like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like... <laughs> And it's it's uh it's really it is frustrating, man. Like we're down to the point in my household where Sarah's gray and yellow Joy Cons are like the the two that that are working, and the um I've got three sets that are that are drifting. Um, yeah. So I don't know. You know, it's it's really frustrating. I know that like I could I gotta just send them to Nintendo and just suck it up and deal with that process. I just don't want to do that though. I, I really don't want to do that, and it really frustrates me because I've ordered the Zelda joy cons and i know they're gonna drift at some point so it makes me like want to just keep them on the shelf and never touch them knowing that they're gonna break at some point but for me it wasn't so much the drifting on this i've still got my launch day uh blue left joy con that i never ever sent in to get repaired and it cuts out all the fucking time so it's got you know they did that fix where they put a the little bit of foam in yeah. to the the joy cons never got that done i might end up doing it myself at this point because it just it doesn't connect and when it does connect it will just like freeze and and not work properly why don't you just i don't why don't you just send them in i've already i've opened them up at this point to repair them myself so they're probably void of warranty is that how that works i think so yeah that's why I'm so bummed. Like, my purple ones that Doc made for me started drifting, and I'm like, I need to fix them myself because Nintendo won't fix them for me. You do need to fix them yourself, and then you can see the message inside. Oh, my God. I forgot I have to open them anyway. <laughs> Whatever. I already know what it so is. So you might as well. I already know what it is. It's like, it's it's probably calling me a boomer. Like, <laughs> if I had to guess. <laughs> um, But, yeah, so I have, to, I have to figure that out. That's like a whole project of like how do i fix very easy this? to fix yeah like I, I fix them just watch parker's video you know he did his video right. with a million views didn't right. he congratulations by the way parker parker from the yeah Fanatics congratulations for, uh real real friend of the show he's a, a a great guy wonderful human being i'm super stoked to see him achieve his first uh one million views on a video that is an unfathomable number to me <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah me too oh yeah so um, one of the, the things we wanted to talk about here was um, kind of like what other games could could maybe benefit from the 9-9 treatment. Have, do you have any thoughts of other games you'd like to see? So like other, other arcade games I really love that I'd love to see this treatment are Space Invaders. Yeah, I think it's a natural Astro- choice. I love Asteroids. Because you can imagine Asteroids is like you're just firing other Asteroids in. You know, you, you break down enough asteroids, it sends those over to someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same with Space Invaders. You kill a Space Invader, it goes over to someone else, or maybe um, you get, like, bonus ships or something. You hit one of those and something happens on someone else's Or, screen. like, you add, like, um, I, I could see Space Invaders being, like, the board is infinite, right? And, like, you know, if you clear the board, you get certain things, but, like... Oh yeah, you know the the thing could be as you're clearing waves or whatever that puts another wave on someone else's screen, and mm-hmm. like the screen or the waves that you send could be like specialized in the way that like in Pac Man you get like the little ghost Pac Mans that slow you down or the red ones that kill you. Like you could have like okay, like the the general ones are white, the red ones take additional hits because they have armor or whatever, or they have weapons that are 
are more deadly or whatever. You know, like they they uh, you know like how how uh, you'll have the the little settlements that you can hide behind in Space Invaders, like the shields. Like, maybe they blow right through the shields or whatever, you know? Like, you could have things like that that accelerate the gameplay and, like, add pressure based on, yeah. you know, how well you're doing or not. Um, that's I think that I think that one makes a ton of sense. I'm trying to think of what's another one that, like... Because, like, frankly, when it comes to arcade games, like, if you ask me, like, what are, what are your favorite arcade... Like, it's Tetris and Pac-Man. Like, those are the two that I, I probably like the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm like pretty well set on this, frankly. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind something modern, like if Grindstone added like a battle royale feature that to would it. Be cool. I could really see that being cool. I like Poyo Poyo, but I'm not good at it enough. I'm terrible at Poyo Poyo and I just, uh, there's no way it's going to happen. Pokemon my brain Poyo. sees it as this is Tetris and I just can't get my brain out of the fact that this is not Tetris. It's Poyo Poyo. <laughs> I think they got to do a remake of Pokemon Puzzle League. And uh, and didn't they do that with the like? Oh no, that was Dungeon something DX, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But they got to do that with with nine nine Pokemon Puzzle League nine nine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. That's a good one. Um, I feel like the only other one that's called, uh, Galaga. I feel like you could do the same thing, but it's like again, you're just it's it's a very like it's a wave clear spaceship game, so you do the same thing as we described with. Space Invaders. And there's a bunch. Like, I, I'd love to see like a collection of them. I like, imagine if they did like the Atari collection. It's got Centipede and Paperboy and Galaga and all of those stuff in. But there's like a multiplayer angle to it. The one that didn't work for me was Mario 35. And I'm glad that they did it. And I, and I love that people loved that game. But I'm just terrible at Mario Brothers. And for me, those games were always about learning the level and where everything was and knowing that, you know, I hit this Goomba, then there's a, a mushroom under this block and whatever. It changed that by, like, adding enemies to your screen that you just didn't expect to be there. And I get that that keeps it fresh. But to me, as someone who's terrible at 2D platformers, it was really daunting and of an experience to play. And, uh, and I guess Pac-Man's the one for me because I love Pac-Man and I'm actually pretty good at Pac-Man. <laughs> like, I was terrible at Tetris 99 as well. I love Tetris. And I ended up buying the big block DLC just because I got so stressed playing Tetris 99 on my own that I just wanted to play Tetris single player because I just, I like Tetris, but it's I'm not so very good at it. funny to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think overall... Um... I'm really enjoying it and I I would love to see you know more games get the treatment. I feel like it's it's clearly a model that works for people. Um and it's it's super enjoyable. And uh yeah, I'm, I'm I I definitely see myself sinking a good amount <laughs> a good amount of time into it. Um at least over the next couple of weeks before uh you know I lose steam on it. Um so you also had Taiko no Tatsujin Pop Tap Beat which is, I believe, an Apple Arcade game. It is. Yeah, I think it was you like that, essentially you like that flawless pronunciation. Are you fucking kidding me? I do. Yeah, that was really good. Like, I, you know, I wasn't gonna bring highlight to it because I just wanted to, people to just be impressed the with your Japanese skills. I saw it. Like, I saw you go, wow. Like, I, you know, like, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I want, I want credit for the audio listeners. I want them to know that Steve was physically impressed by that, that I was. flawless <laughs> Japanese pronunciation on my. <laughs> So anyway, but yeah, I think I think this is essentially a port of the Nintendo Switch game mm-hmm. to mobile, and it plays so well. It's such a fun game. I've never played these before. Uh, I know Pixel 
picked them up. They're really fun. And I'd love to play them in the arcade where they originated and actually like playing on the drums. Because this, you just tap in the middle, you tap on the outside for like the two different beats that you can do. They get so, so hard. But I just love the aesthetic of it and how Japanese and how cutesy it is. I, and I, I was like <laughs> playing along with like all of the Namco um, like original arcade music, like the one from Ridge Racer. And they've added like a bunch of pop songs in there. <laughs> I, uh, I just remember this one. <laughs> I love that the little the little main character is just like a cute little drum guy. Like he's got like a little cat oh, yeah. face, but like I don't know, they're so cute. Um, I've exclusively played this on uh, like at a hotel, um, at a hotel, at an arcade. Um, so I've only ever played it with the drum, and. I gotta tell you, uh, for someone who's played very little of it, I fucking slayed at it because I actually played you drums. Did. You're a drummer. I was like, oh my god, I fucking rule at this. Like, <laughs> it's 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 dope, man. Um, you know, I'm looking at it right now, Steve. Hundred dollars for the Japanese version on uh, on Amazon. You can buy like the uh, the UK version for Switch that comes with a physical drum. That's what I'm talking about. It's like about. 90 quid. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Only 90, 93 bucks. The the thing is with that, um, all of the songs are in packs and you have to buy them separately. So you pay 90 pounds. And then on top of that, for like the songs you really want, the licensed music, you have to pay extra for it. You know, I, I hate that. Um, Me too. That's awful. But <laughs> uh, I found a third party one for $44 here. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's going to be terrible, isn't it? Probably. Does it got like a turbo button or something on it? Uh, Remember uh, those on controllers? It, kinda, it looks like it might. It looks like it may have a turbo button. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, this is... I would really love to play this game. Me too. I'm I'm hoping that I can go to an arcade soon and play it for real. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying this game, and I'm actually really enjoying Apple Arcade. They've added a bunch of new games this week, so much so that they're now bragging that they've got over 180 games on the service. A bunch of games that originally released as like either paid games or games with ads yeah. are now just on the service for free. So like Mini Motorways, which is one of my all-time favorite games. Well, Mini Metro, sorry, which was the pr precursor to Mini Motorways, is now on there. I've been playing Threes. There's a, a game called Forensic, which I played back in the day on like the original iPhone. It's, fi it's finally coming back with a sequel. Um, so I'm going to keep paying for Apple Arcade for the time being and, and seeing what's on there. Like, I've always hated mobile games because they've always just been trash. Like, got to buy extra coins or pay for in-app yeah. purchases for this, that, and the other, or watch an ad. And I just haven't got the time in my life to do that. So um, to have like quality games like, uh, like Tyco is, is really nice. That's awesome, man. Um, it seems like Apple Arcade is is a good service. I'm I'm glad to see that. Uh, it seems to be resonating with people because <laughs> I've kind of famously talked shit about mobile gaming um, throughout my entire games commentary uh, career here. Which uh, I, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. For the most part, I stand by. Um, there's a lot of bad stuff there, and it's often a race to the bottom. Um, but I think what's so cool about an Apple Arcade is the promise of a delivery system for premium games that is um, palatable to people. Because for whatever reason, people don't like to spend game money on premium games on their phones, right? Like, I would, I would have paid twenty dollars for Grindstone on my phone, you know. 
Um, but for some reason, it feels better to do that on Nintendo Switch. And I think psychologically, oh. people need to get past that. And I think Apple Arcade is a great way to do it because it shows you the quality of mobile games that do exist if you're willing to spend a little bit of money. Um, and like Grindstone is worth every penny. That's a $20 game easily. And it doesn't matter that it's on the phone. It fucking rules. Um, so that's, you know, I think Apple Arcade has a real possibility to like put in serious work to like change that narrative, you know? Um, yeah, especially since, so I know someone and I'd love to get him on the show at some point. So my friend Ray, who I spoke about, uh, was into like the, um, the, what's it called digimon stuff that we spoke about on the um like cyber sleuth the, the newer episode. ones yeah well he he is like collects the the v pets and stuff and he was the one that i oh. know has a copy of um super mario party e mario party e for the nintendo e-reader i didn't but, realize it was chris who who owned that i didn't really like i think i know chris my friend ray oh i'm sorry i thought never mind. <laughs> i didn't i didn't mean chris but, Bradrick. Um, i thought you meant someone else from the community it's fine go ahead but um but ray works for a, a studio called cobra and they got commissioned by apple to make an apple arcade game so i'd love to pick his brain about how the process works that'd be if cool he's able to share any of it but it might be under nda i'm not sure it might be a thing where we might be able to talk about it after it's out and then we mm -hmm. can like kind of talk about because i'm sure like talking about the deal and everything would maybe be dicey right now but i would i would love to to have that conversation um about you know whatever whatever as much as Ray is allowed to share. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's jump into the news. Um, <laughs> first things first, right? Uh, Animal Crossing had their Build-A-Bear collaboration this week. And um, I don't, I don't want to be negative, but frankly, a mess. A bit of a mess. Right from the beginning, it's like, we're doing an Animal Crossing collaboration. It's like, ooh, I wonder what's going to be there. All the villagers going to be there. Can I buy my favorite one? Can I buy the Ugo Wendy? And it's like, no, there's literally just two. And we didn't announce it beforehand. In order to find out, you have to wait in this queue so you to see to, what we've got for sale. You had to wait in a queue. And if you got the opportunity to buy them, you had to make the judgment call if you wanted them in that moment, which is a terrible system for selling a product. Just for starters, not great. Not great, Build-A-Bear. Uh, and then on top of that, um, they sold out very quickly because there was a site exploit that allowed people to skip the queue system. Um, and uh, actually, friend of the show, uh, Chewy Plays, uh, he said that that was how he got his, was that he yeah. heard about the exploit and tried it because he's like, what are the odds that'll work? And it worked. And he got it and was like, oh, all right, great. So... Uh, you know, great to know. I'm gonna save that for future. Uh, think if you, know, you take advantage of dev mode if you can, and uh, <laughs> skip the line next time yourself. Maybe you could go for that. Just keep an eye on the Animal Crossing Twitter feed, which I think is where, well, not Twitter feed, the Reddit um subreddit where it got posted. Uh, and yeah, Builder Bear said that we are aware of fan found and posted a way to skip the line. No secure information was or could be accessed during this method. So basically, they like, I think what it was was like a JavaScript hack, and you type something into the uh, the console, and it yeah. added it to your cart without you having to to be in the queue. It's like, come on, this is like basic shit. If you're gonna add a queue system to your website, make sure people can't game the system in order to to cheat and get uh, an Animal Crossing builder bear. But to be honest, I wasn't a massive 
fan of either of them that they released. I really, uh, I agree. I thought they were bad. Um, and like Tom Nook and Isabel were the choices, which is like probably, you know, that probably should have been predictable. They're the faces of the franchise. They get the most merch. It's whatever. Um, I didn't think they looked particularly great. And like, that's odd because Build-A-Bear has done like multiple Pokemon uh, collabs now. And they've all been really good. Like, they look really yeah. nice. Um, and something about the Animal Crossing ones just didn't... I don't know. It didn't look great. And I think that I saw, at least in my sphere, um, a lot of negativity about it because people are kind of like, really? Like, it's just... <clears throat> excuse me. It's just Isabel and, and Tom Nook, like, I was I was kind of hoping for like you said some of the, the other like the other villagers right like I want I want to or even like you could customize it to make it look like your islander where you can like put the clothes on and change it because that's always been the thing with build a bear is you can get your bear and you can buy different outfits and stuff for it this just comes as is with the the summer outfit that they wear in the the um okay. the town center or whatever yeah. it's called and then um you can get two options of what they say. So either there's like five phrases and they just like make that Yeah. Or you can get it to sing the Animal Crossing New Horizons theme. But neither of those are really amazing. I mean, I feel like the the animal the voice lines I think is good. That's the one I would want over yeah. the of the two, but But I don't know. Just it's kinda like the whole thing feels a little lackluster. No you know? Yeah, it really, really does to me. It's like you made this whole who have we've got an Animal Crossing collaboration, and then you just did the two most predictable ones. Like not even Timmy and Tommy. Like those would probably be the ones that I would have got. If Timmy and Tommy, or one of the villagers I love, like Goldie. If I could get a Bob someone... one, or if yeah. I could do a villager, I think either of those I would have considered. But with like Isabel Tom Nook, it's like ah, nah, I'm good on that. You know. But anyway, um, to those who uh, tried and succeeded, congratulations. To those who tried and failed, better luck next time. Uh, there'll probably be yeah, another they, print. So. Yeah, they said they're coming back in in spring, whenever that whatever that means, because we're in spring already. So Eyes peeled, everybody. Uh, so let's jump into the next one. Um, Abandoned for PS5 uh, was announced, and um, it... This is an interesting story because this game was announced and it kind of immediately led to a bunch of speculation and rumors and conversation like, oh, is this, you know, the next big Kojima game? And, you know, apparently, um, according to Mr. Jeff Grubb of GamesBeat, uh, it is not because Kojima is in, ta in talks with Xbox to publish his next yeah. game. And uh, here, I'll, I'll, I'll pull from Jeff's tweet on the subject. Uh, he said, because our gaming leaks and rumors only reads the tweets, I do not know if the deal is closed, but Kojima would be a big focus for Xbox when it comes to leveraging, uh, leveraging Japanese dev talent. Phil was referencing this deal with the shelf statue thing. To answer some common questions, I don't know if the game would be exclusive, but I'm pretty sure the deal, if finalized, would not prohibit Kojima Pro uh, from working on new deals with other companies, including Sony. So, if if what Jeff is laying out here is um, 
it, you know, is to be believed, then, you know, kind of it, gets, it looks like seemingly that Kojima could be in talks with Xbox for, for his next game, but it would be uh, similar in the way that Death Stranding was produced with Sony on a one-game um, agreement, you know, so that, you know, it wouldn't be that they're coming into the Xbox family as much as they're going to work with him on a game and then he can work with whoever on his next game. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get it. Um, and there was a, I, I don't know what it was, but there was a stream and, and Phil was in his office doing his usual thing with the things on the shelf. And it, um, Jeff actually posted elsewhere. I think it was in a stream that he was doing. Oh, and it was on um, Game Beats Decides, his weekly podcast that he does um, for VentureBeat. Um, and he said that everything on that shelf means something. Um, and so there was the the Death Stranding statue that was on there. There's also a Nintendo Switch on the shelf, which people are now speculating may mean uh, xCloud for uh, Nintendo Switch coming uh, later this year, which would be lovely. That would be bubble, uh, But it's very, very interesting. Uh, and I think now that people have, have seen that there's a potential deal with Kojima from something on that shelf, they're going to be inspecting that shelf at great length. You just... I'm... I know we're talking about uh, E3 in the main topic, but I want to say this in case I forget. Could you imagine if they announce xCloud is coming to Nintendo? Not Game Pass, but xCloud is coming to Nintendo. That's Switch. the same thing. In my eyes, for my prediction, that's the same thing. Uh, I don't know if I'll give you that one. If it's xCloud isn't even called xCloud. It's called Xbox Game Pass. But if it's just Xbox Cloud Gaming... Like if you it's can, still the same thing. If you if you have to buy a Game Pass subscription in order to play out on your Switch, that's the same thing. Yeah, I'll give it to you. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Uh, either way, uh, very interesting. Obviously, neither of us are like huge Kojima fans. So in terms of like you know speculating on like what would come next or whatever, like I don't really know. I don't really have an answer and. Uh, Frankly, I'm not. I don't really care that much. Um, I have a lot of respect for Kojima, uh, but he's just not not my guy, really. Um, and maybe it's because I haven't really, you know, taken the plunge as much as I could. But um, obviously, the idea of him going to work with Xbox would be huge. You know, Xbox yeah. has clearly, you know, they've been saying that they really want to get into the Japanese market. They put a lot more Xboxes in the wild. Uh, you know, in Japan this time around. And, um, you know, there was all those talks about them kind of sniffing around like Sega and some of these other Japanese studios that they, they want to try to use to leverage um, to get Japanese gamers to pay attention to Xbox, which makes sense, especially with their, you know, the cloud gaming thing. Like you could see how that would fit into the, you know, the more um, handheld centric uh, Japanese. Gamer. It really was. And imagine it, especially if it's on Switch, which we know is like 70% handheld in Japan compared to yeah. TV. Yeah, would, it would certainly be interesting. So um, obviously an interesting story, but as of right now, of course, you know, it's all it's all hearsay. So um, I believe that Jeff has heard this and that, that, that talks are going on, but talks don't mean anything, right? Like... Xbox talked to Nintendo about selling and they laughed them out of the room. So is yeah. that an interesting anecdote? Sure. Did it lead to anything? No. So, you know, uh, grain of salt with this one, but um, 
you know, wouldn't be surprised if we see something come of it. Uh, so let's jump into the next story. This one uh, comes off of the back of a, a report from one Jason Schreier um, over at Bloomberg, of course, uh, about Sony's um, kind of, I mean, to use Jason's words, uh, obsession with blockbusters um, and that there is this kind of um, change in culture going on at Sony, right? Where if you're a fan of, of the PlayStation and you haven't for a long time, um, there's kind of always been this weirdness at PlayStation, right? Like there, there are of course the big AAA, you know, the games, you know, and love and you know, your God of Wars, your uh, horizon zero dawns and whatnot. But there was also kind of the strange, little indie games that they would publish, you know, yeah. and, and like, like there'd be games from like Japan studio, like Loco Roco or everybody's golf, or there would be say like a gravity rush. Sure. Sure. Or like all those indie games that they incubated over at, uh, Santa Monica back, back mm -hmm. last gen. And, you know, like they, they've had that kind of like dedication to the weird and the obscure and the niche on some level. And that was part of what, you know, made PlayStation unique. And then, you know, if this report is to be believed, um, that 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 seems like it might be changing, and you know that they are kind of increasingly getting uh, obsessed with the idea of chasing um, the blockbuster success of an Uncharted, of a God of War, or what have you, and um, you know, kind of. There's a lot in the report, right? And obviously, we can't get into every single uh, sentence of it. It's not our main topic this week. Um, but kind of the the bit that was p pulled and made the rounds the most was about how, uh, well, a few things that are kind of a, a side effect of this conversation, right? One was that um, Sony Bend, right? Uh, the studio best known, you know, for Days Gone most recently, um, was is not getting the opportunity to work on a Days Gone two because despite the fact that the game sold well, it wasn't super critically well received and it didn't necessarily set the world on fire. Uh, and then they got um kind of roped into helping out um Naughty Dog on a Last of Us remake that is currently in development. And yeah, um, well, I mean, that Last of Us remake is interesting itself because there was the visual arts um, service group. They they got taken over by someone new. Well, and that was that um, was the the new studio that had been incubated, right? Like it was like a new team was trying to put together a new AAA. Sony yeah, studio. so so Michael Mumbauer took it over um, and recruited. He took it over in two thousand seven and recruited uh, a team of thirty developers internally from neighboring studios who all came on and wanted to work on something fresh and something new. And they landed on doing a Last of Us remake, a remake of the the twenty thirteen game. Um, and Sony has since taken that off of that team. The team's now been disbanded, um, and and they've gone uh, and given it to Naughty Dog, which to me seems like such a massive waste of resources to get uh, such a talented team as Naughty Dog. And that's not to say the uh, the visual arts service group wouldn't be talented themselves, but to just rehash and remake a game they've already made. Well, and then has then since been remastered for PS4. And and on top of that, Bend 
was was being made to help out on that and and people at Bend expressed concern that they felt like they were at risk of being absorbed by Naughty Dog and becoming like a new yeah. Naughty Dog studio. And and actually requested to be taken off of the game. Because this isn't the first time that Bend's been set up as a support studio for Naughty Dog. They had to make the PS Vita game um, Uncharted, the, the PS Vita version of Uncharted. Lost, uh, Lost Legacy. Um, and... And that version of the game was was seen as like well received, but it was sort of like it's stuck, it's lost, it's on the Vita. Uh, well, I, what never... I don't what I don't like about it is that they don't really acknowledge it. Like it, it's a full fledged Uncharted game, and it's just as much a part of the story as any of the other ones, really. But like it's not like it wasn't in the Uncharted collection, you know. Like it's referenced in Uncharted Four, but like barely. Um, and soon you won't even be able to buy it because the PSV store is going on flying forever. Yeah, well, you get a physical. So you never copy. be able to play that game again. You get a physical copy. You could get a physical copy, yeah, uh, but then that also means like spending an absolute fortune. Like that game's going to go up way in value now. What's that game cost? Do you think? Let's find out. Let's just find so out. So it's it's Golden Abyss. Uh, Golden Abyss. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, so it's interesting to me. This story very much focuses on the fact that that Sony is. Uh, in my eyes, stifling. It's uh, fifty-four dollars right now, bro. But for That's this crazy is, money. It's a regular game. It's a regular game. It's worth forty bucks. I know, and it's like what eight years old. Whatever. I'm gonna buy this. And then you gotta buy Vita on top of that. It's I'm gonna, like, I'm it's gonna buy this. I'm gonna buy this right now. I'm playing on Vita. It's a high entry cost. Oh, it's really great. I'm game. breaking out my. I've never game. played it. It's the only Uncharted game I never played. Oh, well, you'll love the fact that they've, they've sh- like, any good Sony game, shoehorned in every single touch mechanic. touch controls, yeah. Touch controls, touch on the back. Love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, right, so so all of all of those things um, kind of speak to this overall story that, that Sony is seemingly um, getting a little risk-averse, you know, and is really trying to double down on, on what, on what they um on, on what they're doing best i guess you know which is is their big blockbusters and you know i don't i don't think that that's up for debate but you know i think it's i think it's interesting um how how negative people were uh about this cuz i i don't you know i don't disagree i guess with the the general public reaction um, but it is always surprising to me when people kind of like have this like moralistic approach to like corporations. It reminds me of the conversation we were having about like the PlayStation stores and like the backwards compatibility of it all and the games preservation. And like, I agree with you as a person, as gamers, that those things are important, but like Sony doesn't give a shit. And it's the same thing with this, where it's like, I had a conversation with my friend, uh, AJ from the uh, Gamer Delphia podcast about it, where he's like, you know, I would rather see them take you know, the budget for for a Last of Us remake and go fund five indie games. And I was like, Me well, the re- yeah, but the reality is a Last of Us remake is going to make more money than five indie games that, that PlayStation well, uh, incubates. The actual, thing, and- the actual thing I would really want them to do is take the budget for a Last of Us remake and invest it in getting a decent backwards compatibility program for the PS5. The fact that you can't play PS1, 2, 3 games on a PS5, you can't play PSV games, you can't play PSP games, they're lost forever. Yeah, but... And I, I agree with you, but, like, why? Like, why would they do that? Like, what's the... 
you know, and I don't want to come across as like, you know, some corporate apologist, but I'm really asking you, Steve, but also the listener, the question of what is the financial imperative to do so? You know, because ultimately doing that is, I don't know, what, a week's worth of good PR of, oh, look at Sony, they did it. It's not, probably not as good as what Microsoft has. So even even though that they did it and they spent money and resources, a bunch of shitty little gamers on Twitter are going to be like, oh, whenever too little too late, fuck Sony. Anyway, so like who mm-hmm. – and, the, and then uh, – Probably, and let's let's be let's be uh, aggressive, and say twenty five percent of the gamers that bitched and moaned about this will actually go buy one of these games or play one of those games on their fucking PlayStation Five because that's what Sony's data has shown is that as much as we talk about it, gamers don't seem to care that much about playing old games. They want the option to do so. But it, like, if that's the case, then why are they remaking The Last of Us, which has a version from PS4? Because remaking a game is not the same as playing an old game. A remake but, but is why new. do you need to remake it? It's You could, say, do the same thing that they have done for... What was the game they just done? Was it Ratchet and Clank? They, they did the 60 frames a second up, upgrade too. Yeah, but because it's not... That's not the same. Right, like re like re releasing The Last of Us, especially if you change things, right? Like if it is like a remake, not a hey, what you just described. Hey, it's The Last of Us, and we added a sixty FPS four K mode, right? Which is they did. Well, I mean, that's that's seemingly what this project codename T One X was, um, that that Michael Mbauer was working on at the uh, Visual Studio Group, um. And Herman Holster sh- sh- shut it down and said it was too expensive and and said that they didn't want them to change the gameplay mechanics and they didn't want them to change the way it would look and feel and gave it back to Naughty Dog. And I mean, you know, if that's what they did, that's what they did, right? But it it is the thing of, like, they're not going to add nothing. You know, the, the thing that I saw a compelling amount of people saying, and I actually wrote a really snarky tweet about this and then deleted it because I didn't feel like arguing with people on the internet, was I can't wait to see um, all of the people in the games commentary space who, when this was announced, jumped to Twitter to be like, here's my hot take about why we don't need another remake of The Last of Us. And when it comes out in a year or whatever, and it has, hey, it's The Last of Us, and it natively runs amazing on PS5 and looks great, and that's whatever... But the real headline is that they brought all of the accessibility controls from The Last of Us 2 to Last of Us Part 1 and made it a game that's like immediately more accessible to people with disabilities. Um, I bet you that that gets a ton of fucking praise. And because that would be great. 100% that would be great. But why can't they do that as a free update to the PS4 game? Because it won't sell. Because if you release a new version, you say, this is The Last of Us Definitive Edition or what the fuck ever, Mm -hmm. a bunch of people who never bought it, who heard good things about it, who maybe watched the HBO show. What's that? Who maybe played the second one that had the accessibility features. Any of the above or heard about. That I can understand. But for for my eyes uh, and for me, I would just, I really want the next thing from Naughty Dog at this point. I don't Mm -hmm. want another Uncharted and another Last of Us. I want the fresh new thing. And if this is just a small team within Naughty Dog working on this remake, then fair enough. But I just really want to see what's next from that 
that phenomenal team. I 100% agree with you. Again, I, I am making a devil, devil's advocate position to like talk through the why of it, right? Because so many people are like, why would you do this? Who asked for this? No one. The reality is it will be a bestseller. It will be one of the best-selling games on PS5 if they re-release that game, and that's why they're doing it. And I'm not saying that that's what they should do, but they're a business, and their direct their biggest competitor is getting fucking insanely aggressive right yes. now. And incubating a new IP takes time and money, and they don't want to wait six years for the next Naughty Dog game. They don't want to wait four years for the next Naughty Dog game. They want you to be able to buy a Naughty Dog game next year. And this is the easiest way for them to do that. And I'm not defending the choice. I think it's it's creatively a bankrupt decision. I would much rather see Naughty Dog work on a new IP or new game, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But, hey man, business has got to make money. So that's got to be where they're at and what... You know, Herman Hulst and uh, and Jim Ryan are, are thinking, you know, of like, what is the thing that's going to make money and keep these fucking studios open and keep selling PlayStations? And a Last of Us remake uh, is going to sell like fucking gangbusters. It just is. Fair enough. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. I do think it will sell a, a hell of a lot. And I think it probably will be a console seller. I, I, and I'd like to see them do one and two as a PS5 version together. That would be like great. Like, both of them. Uh, and so you can just play play the whole story all the way through. That would uh, that would also probably sell. <laughs> oh, like, a, The Last of Us. You know, because it's part one and two. Like, if it's just... Part one, part two. Yeah. The, Last the Last of Us, of Us collection. Yeah. Fucking A. Bestseller. Best-selling game on PS5, probably, of that year. So let's jump into our main topic this week. Um, E3 is back, baby. The ESA has crawled itself back from the fucking grave. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Especially when you hear, like, all of the rumors about, like, what the figures, they like, they were asking six figures to be a part of it and everything. It's like, who's doing this? Who's going to show up? And the answer is almost everybody. Uh, almost everyone who goes to E3 is coming to E3 this year. Um, obviously, yep. a few notable omissions, but um, the lineup isn't bad. Uh, Nintendo, Xbox, Konami. Weird. They're showing off pachinko machines? Uh, or are we getting a new Metal Gear? Who's to say? <laughs> they um, still have some stuff. I mean, they might resurrect Silent Hill at this point. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, Capcom. Ubisoft, Take Two, WB, and Koch Media, and then quote and more. Um, so quite a lineup. Uh, you know, of course, we're missing we're missing some of the big some of the big players, some of the big dogs. Um, PlayStation. Yeah, but you know they haven't been there for like two years. Who thought PlayStation yeah. was coming? They and the last time they were there was fucking weird. Yeah, and it's like, hi, we're in a church, and that follow us through to this this big tent thing, and we're gonna show you some clips of games, and that's it. It was fun, <laughs> uh, and then you know, of course, they also had um, you know Bethesda has famously had their own presentation, which you know, but now, they're part of Xbox now, right? Right, but that's one less presentation, you know. So it, mm-hmm. it's it's different. The landscape. And EA's is always had their their own thing in the area, but not at E3. What's the, what they call it? EA, EA Play. Something. No. What is it? EA? Maybe maybe they just renamed their service the same thing. God, I don't remember. I think it is. I think it might be EA Play. Um, 
Uh, yeah, it is EA Play. Yeah. There we go. I know about things. So, so obviously, uh, surprising, I would think, to say the least. Um, because, of course, you know, I don't know. E3 uh, is such a institution and a thing that mm-hmm. felt like it could never go away until last year where you're like, Oh no, like, because we always had those conversations of like, do we need E3 anymore? Like, what is the future of E3? And then all of a sudden it was like, it seems like it's being decided right now because everybody's going to discover these alternatives and, you know, what, how are we going to get back to this? And I do think that I think a lot of these big players are making this investment with the expectation that physical events will return and that E3 will maintain its relevance because of that. Because virtual events are great, and they're a great way to connect with your fans online and everything, but there's so much of E3 that isn't putting out trailers that, you know, if you're mm-hmm. on this side of the fence, you don't really think about. Um, it is, you know, meeting with press. It is uh, those backdoor conversations about, you know, publishers making deals to pick up games and, you know, studios. I mean, getting... this was the first place that say, that Cyberpunk was shown off in backroom meetings with, with right. the press, and then it ended up getting leaked online. And all, all of that kind of stuff, you know, is like a, a huge part of the, the culture of E3. And, you know, um, I think those are the things that are important. You know, like there was a real kind of like, we don't need it. Like, let's get away from it. And I think that that attitude is... Um, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that everyone that feels that way is wrong. And, like, the ESA as an organization is not great. So, you know, all criticism for them, totally warranted. Um, but it is, I think, the immaterial of E3, of of the opportunities it presents for smaller games and smaller developers and, and those kinds of things that, like, you can't just replace with, a, you know, an Xbox event. Um, something like that. So, I am glad to see that the that e3 um isn't isn't done like hasn't isn't going to go the way of the dinosaur i think that it still has value to provide but i do think that this year i I just love the fact that you've got three full days june 12th to june 15th where we can just all get hyped up about what's new what's coming yeah and and i know this is like the perfect place to reveal some huge stuff i'd imagine we'll see what's next from bethesda from xbox i'd imagine maybe we may see some new hardware from nintendo yeah, that could be anything. I don't think it'll be the hardware. They like never. They always show. No, hardware. they usually do it like a week after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I, like E three. Here's all the cool games. Now we'll wait till next week and we'll show you what you really want to play on. I think that's. I do think that's what we'll see, um, which is cool. Like that's. I, I vibe with that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think E three is something that um, it's it's important to the industry and has been, and and I don't want to see it go away. I want to see it evolve and get better. Um. And I don't think it needs to be the only place that you have that event and, you know, that pomp and circumstance. But, like, it, as you said, that, you know, kind of opportunity for not just everyone in the gaming space, but, like, everyone in the world, you know, like, the broader, you know, mainstream media, all that kind of stuff, like, comes and shows up and pays attention at E3. And that's the kind of thing where, like, my normie friends who, you know, buy, like, one or two video games a year or whatever will call me and be like did you see that trailer or like, tell me what's going on with the, 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 tell me about the next God of war. What's happening. You know, like that, like that, it gets everybody thinking about games and excited about games. And like, it's, it's electric. And, and I would hate to see that go away because 
you know, you look at like the summer games mess uh, last year, and you know, like God bless Jeff Keeley and and everybody involved for putting it together and slapping it together at the last minute, right? Like no shade, but like it wasn't as special. It was like they're, they're doing the same thing again this year, by the way. I know Game Fest is is still on, and that's cool. Like I don't I don't think that's a problem. Like I'm glad to see competitors crop up and everything, but it is the thing of like. I think having a bunch of small announcements over the course of two months is inherently less exciting than everything. In it was. Days. I mean, that started out with a bang, like the, um, the the Tony Hawk news and Tony Hawk reveal, and then it was sort of like fizzled out, and we saw nothing. Yeah, and it would be like you'd watch these presentations, and there'd be like one announcement that you were interested in out of you know. Yeah, like and two they weren't also thing. cohesive. It wasn't like you go to the E three stream. And you see everything that's going on at E3. It wasn't like they had a Summer Games Fest YouTube channel you could go to. It was, here are links to all of the presentations. They did have a channel, but it was only some things were there. And Yeah. Point taken. Just want to, you know, clarify so people don't try to tear you alive. Or eat you alive. Um, Yeah, so I I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Where it's like, it's cool, but it's so decentralized. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for E3. I'm excited to see what's coming um, from specifically Nintendo and Xbox. Uh, I mean, Ubisoft always have a fun one. I'd imagine we'll see a Just Dance. There's always one at E3. They're gonna have to come out uh, with the you know somebody in a panda costume doing backflips uh-huh. or whatever. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Can't wait to see that. Uh, speaking <laughs> of, uh, and Take Two's interesting for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah probably Rockstar, right? I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, like, they never go either. Like, Take Two pretty much never has a presence, and like Rockstar never goes to E three. So, if Rockstar is there, that would be like unprecedented. Yeah. Who's what what other what other franchises? What other? Um, oh, they have Two K as well. Yeah, Two K and um, Take Two Interactive. Like, is there right, or is that the parent company? I think that's the parent company. Okay. The the studios they have are Two K, Private Division, and Rockstar. Private division is the other. Well, those are yeah, those are the publishing mm. arms, not even studios, because um, each of those the has... developers they've got Two K, Ghost Story, Play Dots, Private Division, Rockstar, and Social Point. There you go. Um, so yeah, I mean, could be more from Private Division, could be something from Rockstar. Who's to say? But um, either way, I think I think it's going to be exciting to see. I so I mean, obviously, it is um going to be quite different. Because it is, you know, three days and it is going to be fully virtual. Um, you're going to have to wonder how that impacts things. But um, we did see uh, tweets from Doug Bowser and Phil Spencer that, you know, like seem to express, you know, there's 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 excitement. There's hype. I think people are, are ready to get back to it, you know. Um, Doug said it's going to be great to get the video game industry back together with our fans this June. We'll make uh, the virtual format format fun and engaging. Looking forward to seeing you all in June. Not hard to imagine that they'll make it fun and engaging. That's what Nintendo's been doing for like five. They've done like, that the Treehouse yeah. online forever, right? They're like, oh, this probably changes our plans. Not at all. We won't make a cool floor show, which sucks. But otherwise, we'll be there. We'll be rocking. Oh yeah, remember the the Link's Awakening floor show? That was so good. And the Animal Crossing one, the forest. Oh yeah, like, the Animal so Crossing good. one. Yeah. Um. Glad to see, and this one comes from Phil Spencer, glad to see the game industry coming together again in June for Digital E3. This and other summer events are proof that our industry is strongest when we work together. Looking forward to sharing what we have in store this summer. 
Um, anything from Jim Ryan? Did he post out anything? You know, nothing. was it his tweet like "fucky three We're doing our own thing. Jim Ryan just shares uh, the gif of Joseph Farris where he says "fuck the Oscars," but he crossed out Oscars oh, yeah. and wrote E three. Yeah, like, just E3. fuck E yeah. three. <laughs> uh, what about uh, evil? Um, what what's his name? Uh, the evil old oh PS4. evil Kaz. <laughs> All right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> CEO. Has he said anything about it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess my, my question to you, because obviously, right, like this is a, a wait and see one. We're going to have to see what everybody's announcements are and, and what how it shakes out. I'm excited to see it. That's the top level. But like what what are your hopes for E3 and like and, and kind of like the announcement and like mm. hype cycle right now? Because I feel like we're in a weird spot. You know, it's like next gen consoles are out. We have a few games on the horizon that we're looking forward to, but a lot of delays are starting or have already happened. You got to imagine there's going to yeah, be a lot more. Another one this week with with Deathloop, it got delayed again. Such to, a heartbreaker. Such a heartbreaker. And you know, Arcane, take all the time you need. You guys are the, the fucking shit over there. I trust that the time will be well spent. But damn, that really that was such a burn. I'm like, I really. Mm-hmm. I just want to try it. My uh, my buddy uh, Andy, who's really excited for it, and I, I were chatting about it, and he was like, I just want them to put out a demo on the original release date now. Like, fine, take your time, but like, just give me a demo. Like, I just want to get on the sticks. No, nah, it's not going to happen. No, no fucking way. I, it's fine. But it's interesting because I feel like this, you know, last year, kind of a slow year. I feel like this year is going to feel even slower than last year because well sort of i i kind of agree with that but i also think this is the year for the announcements that we didn't see last year they'll announce them and it'll be for a release date of next year so maybe it won't feel as slow because last year we got nothing in june really other than the summer game fest from jeff Keighley. it was really empty and it felt dead uh, whereas this year i'm hoping we'll see kind of the fruits of microsoft's acquisitions yeah and we'll see some of the stuff that bethesda's working on some of the stuff from their other studios, and we'll actually see what next gen can bring us. I'm very excited to see about Microsoft Flight Simulator for Xbox. Uh, I'm very excited for that game, and I know that's coming this year, or at least it was announced to be coming this year. I'd like to see some more of that E3 uh, from Nintendo. I I, kind of really want to see a new franchise at this point, but I I also have a feeling that we'll probably see the Zelda collection at E3, and it'll be very much a focus on Zelda's 35th anniversary uh, around E3 time particularly might be an opportunity for them to kind of repeat their strategy with breath of the wild, where it's like, this is kind of the mm-hmm. big game we have to show off. And, you know, we're going to really get into the, the systems and yeah. Know. Getting the nitty gritty of it and, and show you exactly what's new and what's fresh. In breath of the wild 45 thing. minute deep dive of us running around the overworld, like that kind of thing. I, yeah. I mean, and I th- finally reveal the name Like we only know it's the sequel to breath of the wild and, and get an actual name for that game. I think that would be super welcome. Um, I think I think people are ready to see that game, and you know when they had their last uh, big direct, um, I knew about coming out and being like, "Hey, we don't have anything to say, but we will." Was like simultaneously like uh, very, I think, disappointing for some people and very hype because it's like, "Fuck!" Like I wanted it now, but like you're telling me it's coming soon, so like, all right. Okay. And E3 is probably the time for it, you know? It, it's a huge event. 
I would love to see that Nintendo Xbox collaboration if that is something that's coming. As per that'd be Jeff a perfect Grubb's place rumor. for it at E three too. It would, right? yeah. Like, Phil Spencer's like, oh, we succeed the most when we come together. Can you imagine if he says that on on stage at E three, and then you know, fucking Doug Bowser, you know, comes out <laughs> or whatever, like, and they're like, all right, yeah, we're here united. What's up, X Cloud? It's on Switch. That'd be cool. I'd like to see it, but you know, it's uh, it's it's possibly not going to happen. So here's I got a crazy one for you. Uh, take two. What if they have Bioshock, the next Bioshock to share? There's been talks about revival of Bioshock since Ken Levine left 2K like ten years ago. It feels like now. Uh. We've heard rumors, and maybe this is the time. What better place than E3? Oh, you're muted. Only time will tell. We'll have to wait and wait and see in June. Yeah, I think I think that would be that would be a really exciting one. Um, and then the the only other thing that comes to mind for me is obviously with Xbox. Um, it would be great to see Starfield. Everybody seems. To yeah, that's, that's the one I really want to see. Starfield. It seems like it's it's impending. But other than that, I, I'm just excited to see what's new and what's what's coming for the for the next generation. I'd love another look at Halo too. Like, I don't they, think it's gonna happen. I could see that being pushed till next year. I could. I don't know though. I think it's. I think it's kind of either or. Like, I think either they're gonna. I I just think it's too soon for them to reveal everything they've they've done. That might be true. Yeah, they might. They might need more time. To even like have that time pay off, yeah. Who's to say? Who's to say? Um, it will be interesting. I'm very excited to have something to look forward to in June. Uh, I really missed E3 last year, and like it felt like just kind of a hole, you know, in in the uh, the overall the 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 calendar. You know, like so much of the year is dictated with what you get at E3, and and missing that linchpin. Um, I, I felt it. So I, I think overall in a year where we're all excited to see things kind of get back to normal, E3 is part of that for me. Um, so you can imagine, uh, I, I guess I can say you can guarantee Steve and I will be here to cover it with you. Um, so, uh, we will talk more about E3 in the weeks to come. Um, but June 12th, looking forward to it. So thank you guys for joining us here in another episode of the Potscast. If you want to write in and let us know what your thoughts about any of the stories we talked about this week, uh, you can hit me up at PeteAtLupots.com. You can come join the Discord and get in that Potscast channel and let us know what you thought um, or what you think about the return of E3 or what you think about you know Sony's shift towards the blockbuster strategy. Um, are these decisions that you believe in? If not, uh, let us know why and maybe we'll read your thoughts on the air. And then, of course, uh, come get some more content from us every Thursday, twitch.tv slash lootpots. We'll be there streaming some video games. And then, of course, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash lootpots, where for just a buck, you can get access to this week's episode of After Dark, which, uh, you know, go listen to right now. We're going to uh, I like to say we're going right into it, but we already recorded it. So go listen to it right now. OK, and uh, with that, we've been the podcast. We'll see you next week, everybody. Take care.